Hey everyone, welcome to the Career Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Avila. And on today's episode, we have Cynthia Jai, a vocal coach. Now you might have heard of vocal coaching for singers or actresses working on kind of tone of voice, range, accents, anything you've heard on American Idol, basically. Um, but Cynthia really works with everyday people for a wide variety of vocal reasons, um, anywhere from whether somebody's speaking too monotonously or the tone of voice that they have or being able to project kind of loud enough in business meetings. And what was really cool about this episode is she doesn't just talk about kind of those physical characteristics. She mentions how her business really grew when she noticed that there were some psychological underpinnings of some of these vocal issues. And so, for example, she noticed that sometimes with people who would not be projecting loud enough, it could come from a place of anxiety or lack of self-confidence or any other reasons. And so she really morphed and changed her business model to adapt to this and start working on discovering people's inner voice as well as their physical voice. And she really walks us through everything about starting your own business, from advice on whether or not you should jump into it, to how to start, how to network, everything about kind of starting your own business. And she's been very successful. She's done TED Talks. She has a very successful business. So listening to her describe how she started it, how her everyday life has changed from the beginning of her business to now having a longer career. And so without further ado, please enjoy Cynthia Jai. Hey everyone, welcome to the Career Journey Podcast, where we explore exciting careers and how to get them from the people who've lived it. I'm your host, Brittany Avila. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. So hi, Cynthia. Welcome to the podcast. Sure. Hi, Brittany. So we usually just start from the very beginning, did you have any idea of what you wanted to do for a career when you were a child? Um, uh, when I was young, that when teachers, you know, that as child, that uh, teachers always ask you, oh, what would you like to become? Yeah. Uh, so at the time when I was young, I only know two types of profession. One is a, <laughs> a scientist. The other one is a teacher. So I didn't want to become a scientist. So I thought I'll become a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and then somehow that the work I do is uh, a type of uh, teaching. Yeah, it's funny how those always kind of mold together, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, and so did you plan to go to school for teaching or anything like that? Or did you change uh, prior to yeah, starting so, your career? No, I think the uh, the... Being a teacher, it was only um, kind of an answer that I had when I was, was a child. And yeah. uh, so I went to college uh, with what interests me. So what mm -hmm. interested me was uh, in business, in management. So I was learning okay. about business management. And uh, so, and then when I, uh, my first job was doing uh, coordinating training. Uh, so I was a training executive. So I was organizing okay. training, including getting the participants. Okay. So that was my very first job. <laughs> yeah. And how was that? It was not very going very well. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't know that part of my job was to do sales. 
And uh, oh, okay. I always uh, didn't like sales at in the past. So that job, uh, I didn't do well. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did you decide to leave that job? Did something else come along? Uh, yes. So I started to, when I was uh, at the end of that job for, I, I did about a year. And at the end of the year, I started to look for different jobs. And uh, so I started to realize, even in schools, I started to realize, oh, I'm good with people. So maybe I'll do human resources. <laughs> so and also my major was in management. So it's not that far from human resources. Right. And yeah. uh, so I started to apply different jobs in human resources. And uh, so luckily, I, I did get uh, the job as a human resource specialist. So I did uh, in three com different companies, uh, all doing human resources. Okay. Yeah. And how was that? So if you did it in three different jobs, you must have liked it at least a little bit, right? <laughs> yes. And also the, uh, the function I was doing in each company, it's a little bit different. So the very okay. first one, uh, the very first one uh, and the last one, the, the first and the third one in HR, um, both are related to re recruitment. So I was, okay. as a fresh graduate, I was interviewing people. <laughs> <laughs> so even though I was young, but I, I do have an eye uh, sourcing people, yeah. sourcing the right talent. So right. Uh, that was part of what I enjoyed. And then uh, the second HR, which was more on the, um, on the benefits, the employee benefits, which is okay. not something I enjoyed. <laughs> so the third, yeah, it doesn't sound in line with no, what you were interested in. No. So the third one, uh, one part was in recruitment. The other one was in training. So I was okay. uh, training uh, new employees to do the new employee orientation. And also I mm -hmm. organized training. And uh, so luckily I, I didn't need to do the sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And where did you go after that third job? So then after that... Um, I started to uh, to notice a lot of my friends, they are trainers. And that's why that sometimes I always recommend other people uh, to meet people, to go out and meet different people. Because meeting different people let me see the possibilities. So I, right. started, I started to see a lot of friends, they are uh, trainers. And then I thought, oh, this is something that looks like is interesting to me, uh, something that I can do as well. Uh, I did new employee orientation anyway. So, so, <laughs> so then uh, a friend of mine, he introduced me to an uh, in-house trainer job. So I was doing okay. training for our own employees on communication and leadership. So that's uh, that job. And that was my and, last corporate job. <laughs> and what does that job look like? What is it like to train employees? Uh, so it's... Um, uh, every the main job is that I have a fixed structure to teach. So the company will give me the topics, will give me uh, what's going to be taught in the topic. So um, okay. that was part of the reason that I left because I wanted to something to to be more creative. I can put in more of my own ideas, my own content. Right. So uh, that was how that job looks like, uh, but it. It really trained me uh, to be able to uh, do training uh, much better. Right. 
it kind of seems like it takes the theme of your career journey of teaching and communications and all of these things kind of molded into one. Yeah. And you said that was your last corporate job. And I know that's not what you do now. So what came after that job or how did you decide to leave that job? Yeah. So, um, again, it was friends uh, who inspired me. So I was meeting different friends and then, uh, they all started their own business training as a trainer, as a coach. Okay. And, uh, one friend, he is, uh, two years younger than I am. So when I, when I heard that he started his business and I was thinking, what, even him? (laughs) (laughs) It's hard when they're younger than you. I know. (laughs) And then, so I decided that, um, I don't need to wait anymore. Because before that, I was uh, hesitating. I was hesitating whether I should start my own business. And, uh, but he kind of inspired me <laughs> to finally leave the corporate job. Yeah. And uh, so nice. that, yeah, that was about 11 years ago. And I have been doing my own training and coaching business for the past almost 11 years. And I'm assuming it was a little bit of fear that was kind of making you hesitant to go out on your own. So how did you approach that once you finally made the decision to do it on your own? I was terrified. (laughs) Fear couldn't describe how how I felt. Oh, no. So I remember that whenever I thought about, oh, I'm going to start my own business, I could feel the knot in my stomach. Yeah. And my my whole stomach, I felt that they're sinking. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the reason that I, w- I wasn't able to, uh, to leave. And it lasted almost a year to finally oh, wow. make, make that decision. Yeah. yeah. And how do you think you came um, got over that? Um, so one thing was that the young friend. <laughs> right. And when, when I look back and I realized it was um, also the thought that if I don't start now, then probably it will be too late. So even though I wasn't able to articulate that to myself at the time, but I think that was one of the reasons. And uh, so that's uh, one reason. And also that uh, because even though he started his business not long, but he did get business. And then, which also showed me possibilities. I thought, oh, okay. Then that means that there is a possibility that I will be, yes, it will work. I will get clients. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, two of the reasons. Okay, so walk us through a little bit about that beginning journey of starting your own business for somebody Mm -hmm. who maybe is thinking about jumping in, but is still in that nervous, fearful stage, kind of what were your first steps? Yes, so the first first thing is really to make, make a decision because even though I left the corporate for the first half a year, I didn't register my company. I was, okay. I was thinking that, okay, I'm going to come out and try. If it didn't work, I'll go find a job. <laughs> <laughs> so for the first, first half a year, I was still not able to decide. And I was still in this trying stage. So mm-hmm. until that half a year later, and then I realized I was visualizing what it would be like if I did go back to the corporate. And the picture uh, came up in my mind was that, oh, I will be still feeling not fully motivated. I will still be doing things that are not fully my idea. 
And so I think keep on visualizing that made me realize I don't want to go back to corporate anymore. And uh, so that helped me to make the decision half a year later that I am going to just go down this road and make it work. Okay. Yeah. And so kind of business-wise, what did you do next? So you kind of registered your company. Mm. What other steps did you need to take to get it off the ground? Yes. So I was learning from different, um, different teachers who are teaching marketing as well. And mm -hmm. uh, so once I, uh, I learned uh, different things, I started to apply them. So my very first client, think about it, it was almost 11 years ago. My very first client was from LinkedIn. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yes so 11 years ago the the social setting was not that popular yet but interestingly right. enough that my very first client was from linkedin all because that i changed my profile <laughs> so put on voice coach in my profile and then uh yeah, yeah and then they were searching uh, for voice coach and then they found me so that's, uh, that's how I started to uh, do my marketing. One is uh, on LinkedIn, and mm -hmm. uh, the other one was to go out to different networking events uh, to meet people, to also that get my name out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so networking events, uh, those events, they were very helpful to help me build up my, uh, my, my pool of network and also help me to reach more people to get more people know that what I do. And also because what I do is kind of unique to a lot of people uh, on right. a voice coach. So that's why once they met me, they seldom forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so some people, they may have met me 10 years ago and then they see me last year, then they will be saying, oh, I remember you, you are the voice coach. Right. So I think uh, that is helpful. Uh, even if what you are going to do is not so-called unique, but you can, you can phrase it in a way that's unique, that's easy for people to remember, so that they can remember yeah. you even many years later. That's really good advice. Yeah. And then how did you find those, type, those networking events? Did you use like LinkedIn and, and those oh, I, types to find them? Or? I couldn't remember. I think probably it was one of those uh, marketing teachers recommended that you need to attend okay. events, for example, from associations, different associations, okay. different chambers. So that's Got what it. I was Googling. So I was Googling, Googling cham chambers of commerce, uh, <laughs> associations. And then I just, one that showed up. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. Yes. Um, can you walk us through a little bit about what your job is now? You're a voice coach. What? Yes. Exactly, does that entail? Uh, so I help people develop a powerful voice so that they can mm -hmm. be heard whenever, uh, where, wherever, and whoever they talk with. So uh, a lot of my clients, a lot of my clients, for example, in meetings, and then they realize that, oh, I said something. No one noticed I said something. And right. uh, then they realize, oh, my voice is having some issues. Or some clients that they speak uh, with a very loud voice, even though they, mm -hmm. people can hear their voice, but their ideas were not really being absorbed by people. So they are also not heard. So they need to learn how to speak with a powerful but not loud voice to be heard. 
Right. So you focus on a voice in all sense of the word, like the actual physical voice, but also your kind of internal. Yes. It powerful was a voice. Yes. Uh, it has evolved over the years. So initially yeah. I was only helping them with the physical mechanism of the voice. Okay. And then I real and then I realized that even with the voice developed to be stronger, more powerful, but they still have this um this inner blocks, mental, emotional right. blocks that are holding them back. So then uh, we started to talk about all those uh, mental, emotional blocks as well to remove them. Yeah, I could definitely see how that would become important, especially for you know people like me who are introverted and a little bit more shy and scared to speak up yes. in certain situations. So yeah, I can see how that would kind of come up. Yeah, so one of the blocks would be that for my clients who are introverts is the, the discomfort of being seen being visible yeah <laughs> and then we, we need to uh, remove that block so that they can dash forward become unstoppable when they're speaking okay and what type of things do you do without kind of giving it all away because we want to keep you employed but sure. <laughs> what kind of things do you do to help with those types of blocks uh, so then, first of all, they need to realize the awareness they need to realize oh I am having this fear of being visible and then once they started to see that, they, they started to realize it is not only in meetings that they don't want to be seen. It is actually happening right. in every area of their lives. So uh, that's the first step, which is awareness. And then the second step is you want to think about what is it that you are really afraid of? Because in afraid, being afraid of... Uh, visibility is only the surface level of uh, fear. Right. What is behind being visible could be, for example, uh, they are afraid of being judged. Mm -hmm. They are afraid of that they're going to say something stupid and then everyone laughed at them. Uh, so then the second yeah. step, we need to find out what is the reason that you are having this uh, fear, the deeper reason. So that sounds uh, great. Yes. And so nowadays, if I tell people, I said, I am an introvert, they, they wouldn't believe me because they see me speaking on stages. And right. uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, I, I, when I started my business, I went out for networking events. They would think that I'm an extrovert, but I'm an introvert, but I'm an outgoing introvert. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I did have the fear of being visible. And I realized for me, the fear of being visible, uh, if I were to be exposed with visibility, I saw that as being in danger. Yeah. So once I was able to work through that, then I was okay with being visible. So that's, all, that's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so then people need to find out what's the deeper reason for their uh, fear of being visible. And have you noticed in your work that there's kind of a variety of different, like, internal fears for that same surface level fear? Or is it kind of normally about the same for most of people? Uh, they are things, they are the same. Uh, for example, uh, if people are fearful about being judged. Mm -hmm. So then the deeper reason, sometimes they are... There are similarities in the way that they were brought up. 
Okay. Uh, so in their family, either the father's side or the mother's side, um, there's one parent who was very critical. Interesting. Uh, so then as I started to hear their stories, then I realized there are similarities in the way they were brought up. That's really interesting. Yes. <laughs> as a psychologist, that makes me re- very fascinated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And so what kind of has your career journey in this business been like? Has it been kind of a powerful transformation for you personally as well as kind of transforming people around you? For sure. It's, uh, I think it's, uh, the transformation always starts with me mm-hmm. because I see myself being transformed over and over and over again. <laughs> And uh, so in the beginning, uh, yeah, in the beginning, it was being okay with being visible, being visible online, being visible everywhere. So there were people telling me that they said, oh, I see you on LinkedIn. I see you on Facebook. I see you on Instagram. I see you on YouTube. But what they, yeah. did, what they didn't know was that in the beginning, when I posted something, and I was so worried about it, so I would disappear <laughs> from social media. I may, for example, I may post something on Monday, and then I won't post post something until Friday. <laughs> so I had to work through my own fear of being visible. So yeah. that's uh, that's one thing that I was uh, being able to transform about myself. And then the other one was that uh, I remember the very first year as an entrepreneur, I was saying that, oh, this whole year, the growth that I've gained in this whole year is more than the, pl- the 20 plus over years. Yeah. So running our own businesses is the fastest way to self-growth. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh that's uh, that's e- even just in the first year. But after that, every year I was transforming. And also by working with different clients, I started to, they are, they are like a mirror to me. Right. They actually mirrored out uh, some of the things that I was overcoming. And for example, uh, one is being visible. The other one was um, when I was young, uh, so I had a very critical dad. So when I was young, I thought that my opinions uh, didn't matter. And then I started to realize that actually showed up in my clients. And uh, so they, they came in to work with me as a mirror to mirror out what I have been through. And which also let me realize that uh, I am keep on evolving so that I can help them get over that as well. That's nice. So you get to kind of help yourself at the same time as helping yeah, other yes. people. Yeah. And I'm imagining are your clients from a variety of different career fields themselves? Do you get to kind of see and experience what different careers are like? Uh, uh, yes. So they are from different uh, career background. They're from different mm-hmm. countries, uh, different ages. Uh, yeah, so I oh, forgot your question. What, what was your question? <laughs> That's okay. Um, just what kind of the client base is like? Is it very, a wide variety of different 
people. And so you get to kind of tackle different issues all the time. Is it like ever changing? Is it, I guess what I'm wondering too, is like in your field, in your kind of entrepreneurship business, is every day kind of similar to one another or do you get to have like completely just different experiences because everybody's so different? Yes, it's uh, different. So there are similarities. Uh, For example, there are people who are so right now, for example, I work with few clients. They all have the issue of monotone. Okay. But what's ca- what caused the monotone will be different. Uh, so that's what made uh, I feel my work interesting because yeah. even though they all have the same similar surface level of problems, uh, monotone, but what's behind the monotone is different. And that's mm. what I like to explore with them. And when we explore what made you a monotonous voice, then we realize more about them. And uh, yes, so it's, uh, there's, there's similarity on the surface level, but on a deeper level, uh, that's where the work is more interesting and more fun. Yeah, I never really would have thought that there was reasons behind why people spoke in a monotonous voice. So yes. that's really interesting. Yes, yeah. And you will see many different reasons. and so how did you grow your business after that kind of first year was it a lot more word of mouth was it a lot more of those networking events more networking Uh, how did you get it out there I think at least for the past three to four years uh, networking was always a way of uh, marketing for me Mm -hmm. uh, in the first three to four years at least and uh, so what's evolved in the year, over the years, one was social media, more social media presence. Because yeah. uh, for the past 10 years, that's where the social selling started to grow as well. So for mm-hmm. example, uh, when I signed up for an Instagram account, it was only for me to, to post photos of travel <laughs> and uh, uh, food. <laughs> and then there was, they start. They started to have people contacting me on Instagram, uh, asking about the voice, and then I realized, yeah. oh, I cannot just post my my food anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that, weird how that shifts as you age. You can't yes. just have fun on social media anymore. It all kind of <laughs> wraps up into the business. <laughs> yeah. So then I started to share some uh, business related as well, but there are still mm-hmm. things that I love to share, like travel and food, uh, once in a while. So I think it's uh, I've developed more social media presence over the years, especially on YouTube. So YouTube, I started um, when I started. So I think the first video was posted in 2010. And so over the years, uh, uh, there are more uh, tractions to the YouTube as well. So right now we have 40K subscribers. So that's, uh, yes, uh, so that's on YouTube. And also there are other social media as well, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram. And then uh, uh, two months ago, someone asked me, are you on TikTok? <laughs> I, I, I was not, but then I started to, <laughs> to sign up one account. <laughs> I, yeah, I just got into that too, because my students were telling me it would be a great place to promote this podcast. And now I'm yeah. kind of spiraling into the world. Yes. I, I haven't explored it yet, but I just sign up on the account. <laughs> um, I think it would be great for what you're doing because it's basically what your content on YouTube would be, but in a very short kind of bite-sized piece mm. where people can just get really interested and then 
head over to like YouTube or your website. Um, I did notice on your website, you had kind of like a few videos on there. Is that from your YouTube channel? Yes. Yes. I think I wanted to transition a little bit too, because you've had a pretty exciting career lately too, where you given like a TEDx talk too. Mm -hmm. How did you, how did that opportunity come up? Uh, So I think it's always stay open uh, to different opportunities because I wanted to do a TEDx talk uh, because I believe in the work that I do is TEDx worthy. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then, so I started to contact someone in 2012. It was December because because we were meeting in Starbucks and drinking these Christmas uh, drinks. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so it was uh, December, 2012, but then they, they were not ready to do my talk. So after that, I said, okay, um, I will also not pursue it um, that aggressively. So it's just that to be open to all kinds of opportunities. And mm-hmm. then, so last year, early last year, then uh, a friend of mine, uh, we were at an event. So in that event, he introduced me to another person. And that person, in the beginning, we didn't know. And then as we started to talk, then I realized, oh, he's actually in the TEDx committee. Oh, no. Yeah. And then, so he said, uh, later this year, we will have the uh, the TEDx talk uh, for open up for a proposal. Okay. And you can apply. So that's where uh, I applied. And then luckily that I was accepted. Yeah. Nice. And how do you prepare for something that yeah, kind of big? So I think, yeah. I think, you know, things happen always at a perfect time. Because yeah. if I did do the TEDx talk in 2012, it may not have been as what I wanted as the talk that I gave last year. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think because also over the years, I have been watching different TEDx talks and then see that how it will be uh, well received. So this preparation is not not the last minute preparation. It was prepared since 2012. So I was okay. always thinking, if I'm going to give a TEDx speech, uh, what would I put in it? How would I say it? So it's always at the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once you got accepted, what additional preparation did you mm. take so, to do that talk? Yeah, the uh, additional work was uh, they asked me to submit a script, uh, my talk script, <laughs> which... Yeah which is not something that I ever do. And uh, right. <laughs> that is also something I, I don't recommend my clients to do. But TEDx Talks, I realized is different. So yeah. I did start to uh, write out the script. And even though there were some changes uh, in the real talk, but I think writing the script down was helpful because in a 13 to 15 minutes talk, right now, mm-hmm. that's the duration for most TEDx Talks, so in about 13 to 15 minutes talk, you really want to make sure that every minute is planned well. So, right. Yeah. So I think uh, preparing the slides and also for each slice, uh, the script, it was uh, very helpful. And was it nerve wracking to get up on stage and uh, go with your script? Uh, not really. So I, what I would, because that's something I always say at the TEDx talk. And those are mm-hmm. all the ideas I always say in my other speeches. And uh, so I think it was not really nerve-wracking. Uh, what I did differently from my other speeches was that 
I rehearsed a lot. I was time. Okay. I was timing myself as well. Yeah, because you got to fit into that thirteen to fifteen minute yes slot, and you can't go over. Yeah. So that was something that I I did only for the TEDx、uh, talk. For my other speeches, I never tell time myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>、um, yeah, I feel like that might that's characteristic. I know sometimes when I get up to do to teach, sometimes I just ramble on, and then I'm. Losing time and kind of figuring out that timing was a really big part of learning how to teach, knowing、mm-hmm. exactly kind of what to say and when.、Um, yeah. Yeah. So, what are you? What kind of does a normal day look like for you now in your career? Kind of eleven years on with your successful business. Now, what does it look like? Ah,、uh, so every day is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I take、uh, most Mondays off for myself.、Uh, sometimes、mm-hmm. is to just to quiet my mind、uh, because I do have clients on Saturdays. So that's why my、okay. my weekend is、uh, only on Sunday. So I felt it was not enough. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> yes. So that's why、uh, Mondays most of the times I don't arrange、uh, things if it's not necessary.、Okay. So Mondays most of the times I'll be doing some.、Um, Meditation to quiet my mind, and do、nice. some relaxation. And then in the afternoon, I will be、uh, doing some business related, but it won't be long. Probably about two to three hours, less than two to three hours, less than、okay. three hours. So that's how Mondays you really like. And then for Tuesday,、uh, Tuesday most of the times I will started to do some、uh, marketing. For example,、uh, I send out my newsletter every week. And、uh, so every week I will be、uh, every Tuesday I will be、uh, writing some articles or sometimes do a video、uh, on the idea. So、okay. Tuesday mostly is on the business, and then、okay. Wednesday, Thursday there there are always coaching sessions. Sometimes if I if I do a, a training workshop. Or a speech, then I will also most likely to be arranged on Wednesday and Thursday.、Uh, Friday,、uh, Friday. Sometimes there are also some clients because、um, some of them they worked very hard from Monday to Thursday, and they want to do the sessions on Friday. So Fridays,、right. I, I'm also open for the、uh, coaching sessions. And then Saturday, I do Saturday morning, so I do some、uh, group coaching sessions. Mm-hmm. So that's how my week、uh, is like. And are you in your business? Is it just run by you? Do you have any employees as well that kind of help with the business side, or is it a hundred percent you?、Uh, so it will be probably ninety ninety percent me. So、okay. I I do have、uh, two supporting staff members. So one is、uh, doing the social media posting, doing the posting. And、nice. then the other one,、yeah. uh, the other one does、uh, admin. Okay.、Mm. And I know it sounded like in your description of your normal week, you have kind of this set balance between kind of that business side and then the actual like coaching side. Yes. How is it managing that kind of those dual roles or the multiple roles that you have operating a business? Is it difficult? Is it did it kind of evolve over time? Yes. It has evolved 
because when I started, I was working from Monday to Sunday. <laughs> right. And also, I did work um, in the evenings. Mm-hmm. So now, once it's reaching about 6 p.m., my mind, I, I still have energy, but my mind is off already. I, right. want, I want to relax. And also, over the years, I started to realize that when I'm treating myself well, when I'm in a very good situation, a good mood, a good uh, mind, I can serve my clients better. Mm-hmm. So that's why I started to spend uh, more time and also reserve more time to take care of myself first, especially mentally and emotionally. Yeah, it's important to do that. Yes, yes. And what kind of advice do you have for people maybe starting out, wanting to venture into their own career, whatever it is, even if it's different, but yes. just starting their own career kind of independent by themselves like you did? Do you have any advice that you would give people? Mm-hmm. Yes. So again, number one is to go out and meet people. So mm-hmm. Go, going out and meeting people, it can bring you a lot of things. Number one is it shows you possibilities. Okay. So in the beginning, I was with a group of trainers. And then I thought, oh, I'll be doing training. And then I was with a group of uh, speakers. And then I realized, oh, I love speaking. And I would love to speak more as well, professionally. So I think uh, meeting people, it shows me what's possible. Uh, so that's one. And then two, also that when you meet people, you can also test out your ideas. Okay. So a lot of other entrepreneurs, they always tell me, they say, oh, I'm, I'm not sure whether this idea works. I say, you cannot ask me. <laughs> or, <laughs> or you cannot stare at your laptop and trying to figure out whether your ideas work. You have to go out and uh, share your ideas with people to see how they respond and then see mm-hmm. what you may want to change. So when I was uh, do, starting to do voice training and coaching uh, in networking events, I told people, I said, oh, I'm a voice coach. Yeah. And then guess what? One of the first few clients, uh, besides the first one from LinkedIn, the next few, some of them, they were from networking events. And then there were people saying, right. oh, you're a voice coach. I've been looking for a voice coach for long. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then I realized, oh, this idea works. So you have to go, yeah. go out and talk to people to see whether it works, how it resonates, what you need to twist. So that's um, the benefits. Okay. And then you kind of make changes based off of people's feedback. So if something wasn't really working, you would yes. edit it and kind of change it and morph it and then try it again. Yes. For example, your message, right? Uh, so even the message, you want to see that what's people's, what people's response is. So, for example, in the mm-hmm. beginning, when I say, oh, I'm a voice coach, then they'll be say- saying that, oh, a voice coach, is it a singing coach? Right. <laughs> uh, then I started to realize, oh, that's people's perception. So yeah. what do I need to do if I introduce myself again? And also, what do I need to do if I give a speech talking about I do voice coaching? Uh, so actually, this feedback, this re- response from people can help you in many ways. So then you can twist your message. And then sometimes you can also hear from people their needs, what their needs are. So um, like, for example, being heard. 
So mm -hmm. in the beginning, I was only talking about all kinds of different voice problems, uh, speaking with a soft voice, loud voice, uh, speaking too fast, monotone. Uh, but then I started to realize the more I talk with people and also the more I talk with my clients, I realized the reason they want to change their voice is not just to have the voice, but to be heard with that voice. Right. So it's all by talking to people, testing your ideas. That's fascinating. So your business has kind of morphed into something different because of what you noticed that people needed or people were kind of responding to. Yes, yes. And then also there are people asking me, uh, even for example, for my past clients, they were asking me, they said, oh, I have developed this physical, powerful voice now, but I still feel that I have a gap between you and me. Uh, how can I become more authoritative like you? Which made me think, right. Uh, then I started to think, what is the difference? And that question has inspired me to design another program. Yeah. Yes. So listen to, to what people say. So actually listen, not yes. just kind of <laughs> that surface level listening. Yes. That's great advice. All right. Well, we're kind of coming up on time. Did you have any last minute advice or... Anything else you wanted to kind of talk about before we go? Sure. So uh, a few days ago, I was me meeting with a friend. And then she said, uh, some people asked her, uh, oh, is it a good time now during this pandemic, all this chaos happening? Is it a good time to become an entrepreneur? Right. That is a good question. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I said, there, it is always a good time. <laughs> Yeah, it is always a good time to become an entrepreneur because you will notice that even in all this chaos, even in back in 2008, when there was economic crisis, there would always be people who can be successful. Right. Yes, there are people who be going being affected by the economic crisis, by this pandemic, but there are always people who are successful. And especially now, if what you do is to serve people, to help people, that's what people need right now. People need to be supported in many ways. Yeah. So there has never been a good time than right now to do what you want to do. That's, that's my, really good advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've heard that too, where kind of the service industries even service industries you don't think of like nursing, like where you're helping people mm -hmm. is kind of the wave of the future where everything else in some ways can be kind of automated, let's say. So if you're just producing something that can be automated, but like helping people and serving people can't be automated. And so those are the careers that most people are probably going to gravitate towards in the future and start entrepreneur businesses for, from because that's what you were saying is exactly what people need right now. They need help in a lot of different ways. Yes, they can think about how can I help people in together with my talent. Then you will find you will find success in what you're going to do. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks you for being on the podcast. Oh, do you want to tell people where they can find you, your website and Sure. Yeah, so they can uh, the best place is uh, YouTube. So they can go to okay. they can just go to YouTube and search in YouTube search box uh, Cynthia Voice Coach. They should be able to okay. find my channel. 
And then from YouTube, on my YouTube channel homepage, they will see the those small icons where they can click, they can find my uh, website. They can also find my uh, some social media platforms. Great. Yes. Awesome. Well, we will send them to your YouTube channel um, as well. So thank you. Thank you for being on. Sure. You're most welcome.